friends, I'm Fiona Lewis. And I'm Gwen Crabb. And welcome to the Say It How It Is podcast. Connected by Vodafone. We are on a mission to bring taboo topics to light and change the narrative. Being vulnerable can be tough, but we're here to show you that even those at the top of their game, be that sports, coaching, business or medicine, go through the same struggles, problems and issues as you. But just a quick disclaimer, we are not professionals, just two rugby players sharing our own experiences and stories, having open and honest conversations with some amazing guests. If you are affected by any of the topics discussed in the podcast, please do contact a professional. And now, let's get into today's episode. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Sarah's podcast. We're on episode eight now. Uh, as you can see, we're not in our normal studio. We're on tour. We are Globe. on tour. We've gone again. global again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah last time we were on tour, we were in Loughborough. Now we're in Dubai. We're on the other side of the world in Dubai. Yeah, we're getting about. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we are joined by Nolly, uh, GB Olympian, ex-England international, now absolute smashing commentator. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us. I'm going to fingers to describe your job. <laughs> I know. <laughs> really <laughs> narrow that down. Where do we start? Where yeah. do we start? How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. This is definitely a new experience being in a podcast studio <laughs> in Dubai. Um, I can't believe, as we were talking earlier, that reflecting on my first time here was like 22 years ago. Oh, my I'm God. pretty so much old like, yeah, now. When, I was born. <laughs> when you were like. Um, Two. No, I'm not. No, that's not right. My I was going to say, 22 is, 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 hang on a minute, that would 20. mean uh, 2001. How old am I now? No, that's wrong. Seven, 17 years ago. Wow. I don't know how I added wow. five, but yeah. Hectic. <laughs> so how many times have you been to Dubai? Uh, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I've been really lucky. We we toured here early with um, with England and Samurai. We actually had the first ever Women's Rugby World Cup Sevens here oh, in 2009. Amazing, but very difficult memories. We came uh, the dreaded fifth. Um, we lost our quarterfinal to Australia, who we went on to win it. Um, but yeah, we'd already come, uh, been here a few times as um, Samurai and Samurai Sporting Chance and Wooden Spoon and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, to, to play a World Cup here. And then I did eventually, when the women's game went onto the World Series, played on the HSBC Sevens World Series, which was special. Um, and then now I get to party and I get to wear a red polo <laughs> with the HSBC crew um, and have lots of fun and don't have to do any of the hard work that I used to running around on the field. You've earned it, I think. You, you've earned many years for the sport, so I think you definitely earned it. So you mentioned you're with HSBC this week. What What's on the cards? What's your plans? Um... It's normally, well, when I say work, it's kind of inadverted commas. Um, <laughs> we get to hang out with some pretty cool people. Um, yeah, this, this week we're, I'm with Brian Habana, Abby Astaitis and Dan Carter. Um, so yeah, it's a, a few pretty, big names there. It's a pretty special <laughs> red polo gang this time. Um, but we do some really cool stuff. So it's not just, um, sorting about in a red polo at the stadium. Um, HSBC are really, really proud about the work that they do in um, engaging and inspiring local young people, but around the world, like they, they do some awesome grassroots programs. Um, and from playing and, and first touch points of playing touch rugby, tag rugby all around the world um, through to tomorrow, I'm going to be at the world of opportunity, which is a program for young people to experience a world of opportunity when it comes to work placements um, and 
what better place to inspire someone to actually bring them to a stadium and tell them about all the different roles because as much as everybody or that loves sport has that aspiration to play at the top level you girls have had that honor um, which is amazing but very very few get to do that and so what we try and do is uh, inspire the young people to understand that they can still have that touch point with the best athletes, some of the best athletes in the world and best stadiums in the world, but they can have other roles, whether it be in commentary, whether it be um, the legal side in the judiciary uh, um, uh, work, um, event organising, um, you name it, all of those things. So we bring it to life in reality of this is the Dubai Stadium and this is what you can do. Even um, we were in Hong Kong and we talked about um, being the grounds person. You know, you physically make the game possible for us and the harder you work, the better the platform for, for us is to play. So um, it's a really cool program that I'm very proud of and I'm very, like, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow because um, one of the young girls last year um, has actually gone on to represent the UAE um, and is, uh, yeah, is doing some really cool stuff herself and, and the program has helped inspire her. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible. I think that's such an important point is that not many people think about everyone that's behind the scenes of, of elite sport. Like there's so many different roles within it and, and with, without every cog turning as efficiently and as effectively as possible, then it's not going to work. Like you said, like without the grounds person, then there's no game and people yeah. don't think of it like that. But also I think what we touched on a little bit off air, we stopped the conversation because we wanted to make sure it was on air, um, <laughs> around like the importance of inspiring younger generations and that being the root of a lot of the work that you do now. If you want to touch on that a little. Yeah. I think, you know, when, when you reflect at different points in your, in your life, you, it's really important to understand who you are and what inspires you and what motivates you to, to push. And what I've realized is, you know, I, I, I had a talent for rugby. Yes, but I absolutely loved it with every part of my soul. And I think that that's what kept me going. You know, you guys have been through injuries and tough times. And, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and people question, why are you doing it? And, and there's just something that motivates you. And that intrinsic motivation was, what allowed me to overcome six big surgeries and all sorts of challenges along the way with my mental health, et cetera. Um, but it made it worth it because I loved playing rugby. And I, one other thing that I've realized that I love doing is, um, is caring and supporting people and humans. Um, I, you know, my parents, my dad is, well, they're both retired, but my dad was a teacher and my mum was a vet. And I think that that side of things of caring and, and wanting to help is probably within my genes, yeah. um, how I was brought up, but something that, I get a lot of energy from. So combining um, rugby alongside trying to make a difference, trying to create better opportunities for the future of the the game, especially within the women's game, there's so much growth that still needs to happen. Um, is I think probably why I've prodded and poked around in a career space with lots of different things. Um, and I'm fortunate that at the moment, um, more opportunities are being handed to women than ever before. Um, and so I'm trying to capitalize on that and also prove a point that it's not just about ticking a box. We're there because we're good at what we do and the future, mm. um, are going to be even better. We're just, we're just kind of yeah. guiding the way at the moment. I love that. Not just ticking a box. I think that is literally so important that just because you're a female doesn't mean that you can't do the job. Um, which is quite interesting, really. I wanted to speak to you about how has it been for you? You're in this commentating world now as, inverted commas you know male dominated area and how has that been for you and what's your experience been like being a female well you've got this hell of a amount of experience behind you you know your stuff uh how has that been for you um honestly how it is <laughs> it's been really really hard 
Um, like I, I during my career, um, I had a lot of injuries. Actually, first of all, my ACL. Welcome uh, to the club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in two thousand and nine, um, eight months before the two thousand and ten World Cup, which is home mm. for England, so it was a big deal. Yeah. Did you do anything else? Um, just ACL? Did you do any other damage? No, just just I uh, cartilage, but they stitched that bad boy up. Um, <laughs> that was the start of my um, my big injury journey. Um, and I realized the importance of, you know, not just being able to focus on my rehab, but being able to continually grow and develop myself mentally. And it wasn't just about rugby. Um, I've always been a person that, yes, loves being around rugby, but also had friends um, and things away from the game. Um, in 2010, Sky had been doing bits and pieces with the with the game and then they covered the World Cup. And that was kind of the start of the journey from a TV perspective within women's rugby. Um and because of that connection point, when I had injuries in the past, I uh, then continue to have injuries. Um, I just hated going to games. I couldn't go to a game unless I was doing something and, and the media became an option. So right from the beginning, within the early stages, I just chucked myself out there. Um, and when I look back, I'm actually really, really lucky with the people I got to work with. Um, so Alex Payne, who now hosts a podcast himself, um, <laughs> not as good as this one. Um, <laughs> I got to work alongside him in my first ever studio with Sky Sports and the man is a wizard. He mm. was so kind, so um, present with me um, and just made it fun. And he was so good, like so good. He's I was nice like, man. this is mad, <laughs> you know, and he, I had an ear, earpiece and anyone that's worked in the media have an earpiece and you've got everyone talking to you and you're like, what is going on? This pe like four you're people are talking, think, someone's yeah. asking me a question. I've got to look and smile. Great. Like, what, <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. And he said, look, this is what I listen to. And I was like, no way. <laughs> um, but what it showed me was how skillful you need to be to be the best, but also how fun it could be. Mm. Um, and that was the first touch point. And then I continued, um, and made quite a strategic time to, uh, decision to retire when I did. Um, I was really happy with where I was at, but I didn't want to pick up any more injuries. And I knew that it was a good opportunity from a career perspective to step away and, and start building what potential I could do post-playing. I think a lot of rugby players, I mean, it's probably the same in the majority of um, elite and professional sports, but I think a lot of rugby players don't really think about that life after rugby until they're at life after rugby and I think that's a huge problem and something that I think is being worked on through many different charities and foundations but f for you how grateful were you that that you'd had those opportunities in your earlier play like your playing career like same with injuries it's like well like one thing for me and Fee like this podcast for example having the opportunity to do things that we really wouldn't have ever had the opportunity to do had we been fit and it's like it's weird because you want like obviously we all love rugby we want to be playing rugby but injuries are part and parcel of the game but there's so many doors that get opened and it gives you that opportunity to set yourself up for life after rugby because there is you know it's a very limited career isn't it um it's really interesting because when you think about it you don't just become an international rugby player it doesn't just happen it comes from years of hard work of training finding a passion finding coaches being mentored understanding um what you need to do, your roles and all that type of thing. Um, and when we're all competitive people, so when we leave and finish work, we want, uh, finish playing, we want to go straight to the top of what we want. But yet 
where's the years of training? Where's the years of preparation? Where's the years of mentoring and support? Like mm-hmm. they're not there if you haven't put anything in. So if you actually just take your rugby career as an example, like, how long did you have to put in? And some people are freakish. They can, they can pick up a rugby ball or do a different sport and pick up a rugby ball and have an amazing career. But that's very rare. Mm. You know, that happens over a long period of time, whether it's rejection of selection or whatever, you have to work through that. And it's, it's having the, the attitude that you still have, you have to do that for what's next. So the next career, you know, I think one of the hardest things that I found when I retired was, and still now, and I joke about it now, but when people ask me, what do I do? And I'm like, um, <laughs> I do loads of stuff. Yeah. And like, but people want to know one thing because one thing gives you an identity. One thing yeah. gives you purpose. All yeah. of that thing. That's what rugby did, isn't it? That was the rugby. I was identity. a rugby player. Yeah. But who are you but now? When, yeah. <laughs> when you've got four or five different jobs, that's really, ra- really rare or random for yeah. like not in inverted commas normal. So yeah. um, I found that really hard because I felt like I was having to justify what I did, even though I loved everything that I was doing, even though I get paid a lot more doing what I'm doing <laughs> than if I was just doing one thing. Yeah, Because it doesn't fit the societal norm, I get it was really uh, like quite clunky and uncomfortable. Mm. And even like filling out a form, occupation. Yeah. Like when I have to fill out car insurance, what do I put? Like a media consultant? (laughs) I don't know. Like it's, it's mad. So I think all of those things make it really difficult. And, you know, you asked me earlier about how hard has it been commentating? And I talked about like life and how I got to the point where I am now. But as soon as I then stepped out and went into commentary, and I think that this kind of ties into that preparing yourself ready because when you during your career but for about two seasons I felt that in two years even I said seasons Seasons. not years (laughs) um I felt like it was a player appearance when I was doing the commentary I was there because I was not only the rugby player not because I was a commentator did you feel like it was like imposter syndrome type 100% yeah and I was also very very aware that I was getting opportunities over male players because they wanted to have more female representation very aware mm. i don't i didn't need social media to tell me yeah. anything yeah i think and and as women we're hypercritical of the fact that we get opportunities because we know that that diversity needs to be there and i got caught in that i got caught in in believing that i was there because of that not because i was good at it and actually what I didn't realise is, and if you take my name and take my gender away from my rugby CV, it's as good, if not better, it's pretty than all good. of the people <laughs> I work with. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and true. so actually, who's what's telling me that I'm not good enough to be there? Is it because actually that's my CV is good enough? And if I'm saying I'm not good enough to be, if I'm saying with everything that I managed to achieve in my career, which is, you know, I feel very fortunate and lucky. I worked hard for it. Mm. How on earth is people, a, a woman without that going to yeah. be able to thrive and mm-hmm. succeed? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like 100%. you get buckled by it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I was just really lucky that I had some wonderful mentors around me. And again, looking back at a rugby career, you have special coaches, you have special medics, you have special team managers, all of those people that mentor you for different different reasons and different capacities. I've just been really lucky, really fortunate to, mm-hmm. to have some wonderful mentors during my career when I worked in the media and then since I've kind of stepped into it a bit more full-time. What was, I guess, when you started your commentary, what was the kind of feedback, touching on social media a little bit, 
what <laughs> yeah, you um what yeah what was that feedback like and how more importantly did it make you feel and then how did you move past that I mean, I would say feedback is constructive. Um, so yeah, normally, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, criticism is that the right word? Comments, comments, um, yeah. Opinion, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was pretty savage, to be honest. Mm. Um, what people were willing to write and say about me, um, and I still get it now. Um, and recently, very, very proud to be part of the ITV Rugby World Cup. That team. I think what I was even more proud of was the fact that I had some amazing women that I was working alongside and absolutely believed that we were all there because we're good enough. We've got mm. the experience mm. and we were adding to the programs that we were covering. So, um, yeah, that to have Maggie and Philippi in studio, um, and Claire Thomas on lead comms, you know, that was a really big thing, but, I had a message from her halfway through and I'm sure she won't mind me sharing, um, hopefully, um, <laughs> that she was devastated from the trolling that she'd got and that she didn't want to do it anymore. And she, you know, was really questioning why she was involved and listening to her voice note and then recording a voice note back. I started crying because, and even think about it now, it makes me emotional because I went through it. Mm. And it brought back what, um, gosh, <laughs> it's okay. When you're, when you're new to something and you know, you're one of the first people to do it, you kind of expect the criticism, mm. but then to, to accelerate, like, to, you know, four years on from when I first worked with ITV and channel four and stuff to hear that another woman was getting it would broke mm. my heart. And so, and so when you, when I'm, you know, talking earlier, it's like, why do you do what you do? Well, it's because I care so deeply about what happens for the next generation mm. and the next people. So to hear that it was happening again, I was like, oh my God, really? Mm. Oh my God. I was gutted. But what, but what I was able to do was to say to Claire, you're not alone. Mm. Yeah. You're not the only one. And I think yeah. when you, when something happens and you feel attacked and you feel like someone is, and, and people are commenting and going wild at you, and you feel like you're the only person receiving that. It's the worst place ever. And actually, Shane Williams, fellow Welsh, yeah. <laughs> um, wonderful man. I sat with him at uh, Six Nations. Um, we were in the green room. We were, I think we must have been commentating together. And um, he talked through what he experienced trolling. And him saying, and I, like he's one of my favourite players, like if not my favourite player, um, and he, like, a wonderful man. And him saying, I get trolled, it's like, oh, like they just get different things said mm. about them. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. as much as I get attacked for being a woman and I don't belong here and all that yeah. type of jazz, yeah. um, I'm not good enough. I don't know the game, but my voice, uh, okay. Wah, wah, wah. I don't know the end, but do you want to see my BBC? <laughs> I just find it so interesting. Like you said earlier, if you remove your name and your gender, on a, you, you put down on a piece of paper the guys you're working with, remove the names, remove yours. And you compare the actual rugby experience and everything you've achieved. That's insane. I just don't, I cannot get my head around the fact that people have the absolute cheek to be like, she doesn't have a clue what she's talking about. Mm. I'm like, you uh, obviously don't because have no, you not seen what she's, what she's achieved? Like it's, <laughs> I just, oh, it blows my mind purely because you're a woman. It, but it's interesting because a lot of the men that I've worked with and my attitude has changed and then the guys are amazing, but actually, I probably believed it as well, if I'm honest. Mm. I believed when I would go into a room that the male players were better than me and, oh my gosh, it's so-and-so. And, -so and 
oh, you know, a bit nervous to share my opinion or I'm, you know, I've got to prove myself because I'm working with, you know, Jane Heaslip, I'm mm. working with Brian Abano. I, like I, these people have achieved what they have. But over time, what I've realized is the guys aren't thinking that about mm. me. They respect my career. They're wonderful. They're, you know, and, and so actually a lot of it was internalized it with me. So I had to have that conversation myself. Like, you're holding yourself back. Mm. But then at the same time, that behavior, why am I feeling like that? And that's what I've reflected on. Why? Why do I feel that I'm not good enough? And actually a lot of it, because it actually me saying I'm not good enough is also saying women's rugby isn't good enough. And yeah. I, do, I definitely don't, don't believe, believe that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think being able to reflect on it, it comes back to the fact that what do we learn as kids? What, what does society continually tell us in all sorts of situations, in all sorts of job roles, in all sorts of um, industries? Like we're getting those constant subconscious messaging, that messaging mm. was always there. So therefore we're absorbing it and believing it ourselves. You know, it's a very <laughs> deep rooted thing, I think, in society, because if you and yeah, it's like subconscious, I think, if you just get brought up in like, well, f when I was young, things like magazines and this, that, you know, skinny, be skinny, this, that and the other, for example, those are the kind of things that I didn't realise the effect that was having on me until I was 15, 16. And then I had quite bad body image issues. And I'm like, where's like, where's this coming from? But it's from years and years of like, not brainwashing, but like what you're exposed to, I suppose. Yeah. And it's the same thing. And like, as women in society, it's like, if you're told once or twice, like, you can't do this, like, we didn't play rugby at school. So I was like, girls must not play rugby then. It's like, you're so impressionable and you learn things, you pick up on things. And then but you had some rock star Welsh players to, <laughs> you should be looking up to. I exactly. Them, I, I didn't even them. know. Really? I didn't even know that. that I yeah. think the first time I watched a women's rugby match was just when I started playing when I was 16. Yeah. And like, even I, I played football up until then and I never watched a women, like a women's football game at a, a high level like you just, it, the exposure in there and that's something that now is significantly better and we're very lucky to be involved in it and obviously yourself within the media as well yeah I, and people ask um therefore why is it important for more females to have opportunity and and not just have an opportunity once but actually a, a real opportunity where you know you look at equality and equity I didn't know the difference until I had to do a talk on it and I was like mm. oh okay so <laughs> equality being about opportunity and making sure that everybody can um, have the opportunity to be able to get a job or mm. to access something equity is is more around the support that someone needs to be able to to not just survive but thrive in that em environment and I think I've been really lucky in, in 2019 um, I was in Tokyo with the head of um, ITV sport a guy called Mark Demuth brilliant bloke um and we were chatting and he said I'm going to get you in you know you're going to be commentating in France in four years time and I said I was like oh my gosh right okay yeah oh, it'd be epic to have a a, a female co-commentator and he's and before I continued he said no no no, no. you're going to be one of my co-commentators you're not I'm not saying you're my female mm. co-commentator you're just one of my commentators like that's yeah. how I see you and it made him him saying that to me stop me in my tracks and and remind me actually yeah like I'm, I am here as a, as a commentator. So the fallback is, oh, because I'm a woman, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and then, so it's my responsibility to make sure that actually I'm continuing to, to help develop 
change the narrative, more women having opportunities to be able to actually thrive. I get extra support, extra mentoring, extra bits and pieces around me than the guys that I work with. They have support in other things because I need it. Mm. And that's okay. Like Mm. if I need some extra help bumping up stuff on social media, because I don't have the following, I'm never going to have the following that Brian O'Driscoll did. I don't play in front of Mm. tens of thousands of people on a repeated basis, live on however many channels going to millions of people around the world. I didn't. So therefore I'm never going to be able to compete with that. But what I can do is have the support around me to, to allow me to, to accelerate. How important do you think it is to have someone that fully believes in you, whether you, you believe in yourself or not in all aspects of life? I'll sleep eyes, Gwen. I think, um, (laughs) wise. (laughs) I think it's, it's really important to have someone or some uh, people that, want to provide unconditional support mm. and also not just support professionally, whatever your job is, rugby player, um, which you guys can say now, <laughs> Media consultant. Uh, which is pretty exciting, <laughs> um, commentator, yeah. ambassador, blah, blah, blah. But actually you as a person, you know, for me as a coach, it's another thing that I do a little bit of, but um, the the big thing is, and one thing I learned from Giselle Mather was, you know, looking after the person before the player because the player bit was easy for me you know but actually she made sure that I was happy as a person and which then allowed me to absolutely perform so I think that support needs to be there but from different angles and it's okay to have different access points and different people for different things as Mm. well to not just rely on one person because also that's their opinion and the diversity of experience and age and that type of stuff is really good yeah I think like I find it really fascinating the way that like for example, when you're reading comments that say, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. If you have any any part of your own sub- subconscious brain that does believe that too, how quickly that can spiral your thoughts. But equally, the other way around, if you have a, like a glimpse of self-belief and someone that is there to tell you constantly like you're, you're worthy of this, like you're, you know, you're more than capable to do it, then that again can go the other way do you know what I mean but like I I just find that fascinating because I think it's quite easy to get caught in the I okay I don't believe that I'm good enough to be here all it takes is one person to say that and then all of a sudden that that's a really hard mindset to get out of definitely um I think what's really important is you need to respect the person Mm. um that is delivering the advice or even being the person to listen um because you know, we've all been there with parents or siblings and um, they they say something and you're like, oh, you're just saying, like my mum would be like, oh, you played well. I'd be like, no, I didn't. Yeah. I had a normal game. Like, ah. Um, so I think having respect for the person that's giving you that support is is really important, um, especially when it comes professionally. Um, I've been really lucky. It's always a risk when you start listing people, but um, <laughs> there's a couple of people that have really helped me professionally, probably David Flatman. Um, it's a good friend. Um, it's a great laugh. I, I love his, um, attitude and actually the way he delivers professionally. He's very personable. He uses a lot of humor. Um, exceptionally knowledgeable as well. Um, but he says it how it is with me. He's very honest. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, he does. And he, you know, I've spoken to him about the trolling. I've spoken to him about, um, how I feel, how I'm feeling and, you know, the pressure I get when I'm working with other people. And I, I, it, I would hold back in the commentary because I would be worried about what the person sat next to me was thinking about me. And he's like, Nolly, they don't, they don't, without, you know, in all due respect, 
they don't actually really care what you're doing. They're thinking about themselves. Um, And, you know, interestingly, during World Cup, I got hammered um, a little bit on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Um, And uh, we chatted and then I put, and because I posted a couple of things on my Instagram as well, um, just highlighting a few people that had felt it necessary to take the time to slide into my dms um and um bizarre bizarre people um but he, he uh so he, he rang and checked in he said you know how you doing i've seen some stuff and he was like look because on the back of the he said the way i look at it and he wasn't looking because he was presenting for the first time so for him he actually got a lot of positive comments but there were negative stuff there and it always is mm. and he said the thing is you can look at praise and you can look at the feedback in different ways or the comments in different ways. You've got all of this negative stuff that is just someone's opinion. They're just trying to like light you up and, and annoy you, whatever. But then you've also got all these people that are telling you you're amazing. And do you really respect the people that are telling you you're amazing as well? And on the back of the stuff I posted on my Instagram, it was really interesting. Like I had hundreds of messages from people saying oh my gosh like and it was really inter- it was good because I had some people that I really respected like people from the game and stuff like that but then I had all of these other people messaging being like can't believe they said this you're amazing you're amazing you're amazing and I just got bored of it I was like I d- you're just saying this because I said mm. I had this comment like that's is it true like, is it yeah. authentic yeah, yeah yeah exactly and so flats like flats pointed that out to me I was like so I ended up deleting my not my account but getting rid of that app on um on my phone and on my iPad. And because I was like, actually, all of this is something that I don't, I don't need. I don't need the false praise. I don't need the false negative comments. And like, cause I don't, cause actually the comments and the, the feedback I need is from my bosses at yeah. ITV, yeah. my agent, my family, my people that actually know you I, and know yeah, me and, and care. Intentions, yeah. Exactly. And want me to do the best that I possibly can from a professional perspective. Um, not just trying to light me up for. Mm. And being you, a woman. And usually the people that are giving you these negative comments have a dog as their profile photo and people follow us. You don't even know who, if they are who they say they are. I have a little, uh, I actually, <laughs> um, I actually now when I see someone that's not necessarily that healthy, haven't really looked after themselves as a bit of a grub. Um, I <laughs> grub. just, I just <laughs> imagine sure. them as the people that are tweeting me now yeah. or sending them. And I'm like, oh, it's them. Like yeah, but it usually is. So <laughs> let's be really honest. The usually yeah. is. saying that, um, interestingly, it'd be unfair for me to share who it was. I mean, to be honest, I can't actually remember his name. But um, the there were some comments that I had from people um, that were within the game or were old enough to know better, um, and they took the time. and And so, as much as we all do think it is horrible grubby people and and that all their faceless accounts and stuff there are a lot of normal people that do it as well Mm. and I think probably my message is that we read I read my social Mm. media I I see it um I'm fortunate that I'm now in a position that it doesn't really affect me I'm not too bothered I obviously yeah it's not great but I at the same time but then having seen Claire's reaction I know where if you, they don't know where I am in my journey. They don't know where my state of mental health is. They don't know if my confidence is high or low or what you know, might be someone that's really affected by mm. it. And yet it could be the prod that sp- that spirals me. Exactly. And, and because mm. at one point I genuinely was going to quit commentating. I was, mm. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't really get support from within the game because the comments I get or I hear being talked about is, not that positive from the game and whether that's jealousy or whether that's, I'm not sure what, 
I don't know, but I'm also getting a, lots of abuse on socials. Um, I'm not feeling like I'm not enjoying myself because I'm feeling like the person I'm working with aren't engaging with me, but they were like, obviously it's all yeah. perception, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that only takes one comment to change my perception or someone. Cause actually it's not until you see someone or they take their time to message to say, I really enjoyed that or that was great mm. because the vast majority of some people, if mm. they enjoy it, they just enjoy it. They yeah. don't feel the need to tell you. Yeah. But yet those are the comments you kind That's of need so, yeah. to just yeah. reassure yeah. you. That's so important. Like yeah. I think there's probably no bigger compliment than messaging someone to say like feedback we've had on the podcast like it genuinely makes our day if one person like texts and says like i needed to hear that today thank you very much or love the episode yeah like because it does all hopefully you'll get that from this (laughs) Um, it does all come back to if we can have an effect on one person then that's a that's a positive thing so it comes back yeah it comes back to inspiring change and that especially within women's sport changing the narrative i guess but i also think and i think we touched on earlier is that i do think some people struggle to see other people being successful mm. um and i don't i don't get it like like we should be celebrating and supporting people around we should be so happy to, to see somebody else doing well and i think also the people that are criticizing you and giving you negative comments would not turn down the opportunities that you're getting they, they, i'm pretty sure if you asked someone well would you love to do this yeah i would but i'm like so I think it is probably could be, could be jealousy. I don't know, but when it's society now, I'm like, can't we just be happy for people? Mm. Like, can't <laughs> we just you know be a whoop whooper, like <laughs> cheer someone on? Like that's yeah. said. Like even with this podcast and stuff, like we spoke about it quite a lot. How just be nice. Yeah, mm. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't cost anything to be kind. Um, yeah. I you know it's interesting you say that because if I do talks or when I I try and reflect on things, um, <laughs> always say that. You know, if I put out your candle, it doesn't make mine burn any brighter. And it's, (laughs) um, but it's so true, you know, and I think you talk about celebrating other people. I think we go back to the subconscious of what has society told us and showed us over, over years. And that's that if a woman gets an opportunity or someone that looks a bit different, sounds a bit different from a different diverse background, gets an opportunity, then they're the only one to get that. Mm. And there's only one seat at the table. And I think what we need to try and change is that actually things are changing now. It's not just one seat. It can Bring be, a camping chair. But there can be more opportunities for yeah. everybody. And the the more we celebrate, the more actually the whole environment that we're in is better. Like I loved the fact that we had and I, more women working with ITV. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was awesome. I'm so proud of them because I think that they're, I think they're wonderful at their job, but also awesome women, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and rather than being threatened to be like, Oh, someone yeah. else is coming on board. Which are, are actually a lot of people are like that. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's not nice to see, but I, I think, people underestimate the value of being an individual as well and not trying to be something that you're not just because that's what you think the media wants or a specific job role wants you to be like that realistically opportunities can be created by being unique an individual because if you if you are your own person and you just are authentic opportunities will find you because and it might not be what someone else is doing but it'll be something that suits you better because you're being yourself and a lot of people try and 
change the way they are. I did for a long time when I was younger because I was just trying to blend in. But actually, actually, then when you blend in, you're hidden. So, you know, like, why would you, why would you try and do that? But something that I've learned growing up, definitely. So how did you find in that transition for being full-time rugby player, like being contracted for all those years, to then going out into the big, scary world, you know, without your team behind you? Like, how was that transition? Um, it's interesting, actually, because... I played for England for 15 years. Um, I was in the system, uh, 82. Um, had a lot of, yeah. That's very, very good going, especially with six surgeries. Yeah, yeah. Eats away when I didn't get, didn't become a centurion. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm proud of what what I achieved actually. Um, and I actually gave my surgeon my 80th cap because I got player of the match. Um, and he got my shirt because I was like, I would not have got to hear if it wasn't for your handiwork. Um, (laughs) that's lovely. Yeah. Um, I, it's interesting because for 15 years I played in that. But only three of them I was paid professionally. Mm. Um, wow. And so I, and actually probably some of my most unenjoyable years playing. Mm. Wow. Because although it facilitated me to be able to, I wouldn't, I probably, if if I wasn't full time and I wasn't in the system um, that I was with Team GB and access to the British Olympic Association rehab unit I wouldn't have got back playing because I had such a bad knee injury um that I needed the best of the best brains to to get it right um before the Olympic Games um what happened to your knee um I ruptured my MCL but from the bottom however I'd already damaged my PCL my postarchial corner and had damage elsewhere so what happened was it should have been a six seven month injury that took ended up taking about 16 17 months um and it was painful it was really painful mentally I hit rock bottom but then actually if I hadn't got to that place and I hadn't had the injury and now I look back and think if I hadn't got to that I wouldn't have ever I don't think ever gone to see a psychologist and Mm. had my mental health and some underlying depression that I probably had through my career that stemmed from my first injury all the way through convinced myself I was fine because I was back playing yeah I'm all good Mm. of course I am I'm doing what I want to do um but actually that allowed me to have real help um and it now in in the last couple of years I've absolutely lent into the skills and the um understanding of mental health from what I learned during that time so when I'm struggling I can see certain triggers I know what I need to probably start to do what I need to implement um so yeah that's um so yeah so my injury was a bit bad and savage a bit, a bit bad <laughs> um, but yeah but my, but being a professional allowed me to fully focus I was rehabbing five times a day um on it in the gym um just to try and bend it and stuff so yeah it was pretty pretty yeah, brutal flexion. um <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 oh ACL stuff was a breeze compared to what I had no, to I do can but imagine. it's so awful I, I, know, I know you guys have been through it um going through it um yeah I I think the injuries gave me a breathing space to ref- challenge myself you talked about giving me opportunities and that type of thing being a professional showed me what it was like the mindset I take my hat off to anyone that goes straight out of school into it mm-hmm. um it it really is hard mm. mundane um and what I realized was I motivated by things away from training I trained because I loved being a good rugby player mm. Yeah. And actually 
uh, see, for my body shape now, I don't necessarily train as much as I used to. Um, but, um, the professionalism, everybody told me how amazing it would be and, but it was hard. And I think as female players, we'd spent our whole lives apart working, um, using our brains in different ways, um, being around different people, managing different social mm. circles and situations and families and partners. And then we were all of a sudden together, like, pretty much locked in a room together for for two years for the sevens and it was a back corridor at Surrey Sports Park which was hell <laughs> served mystery meat burgers and it was all sorts of <laughs> all sorts of carnage but it was really difficult because and and it was hard because every, we were saying this is our dream this is yeah. what we've always what wanted, wanted. So we want to but yeah really then hard. I'm thinking but I'm 31 I like I'm bored I don't want to just do training mm, yeah. but then I obviously had my injury so that was a challenge in itself so yeah I I can't remember what the original question was because I've, <laughs> I've answered so many other things. Um, but transitioning away from being a full-time player probably was easier for me because I had always worked full-time and trained full-time. Yeah. So real life knowledge, experience, understanding was already deep-rooted into who I was because I worked as a teacher. I worked mm. as a full-time coach, as an athlete mm. mentor. Um I had a, I ran a bar and restaurant in Cardiff mm. when I first oh. finished uni. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. Great place. Iota. It's not it's now named something different. But um and so yeah, the transition out wasn't as hard as I think someone that will have been a full time player the whole time. Yeah, I can yeah, I see what you mean. Um and also I think that people forget that it's not just a nine till five mm. job. It's like I don't just go home and then clock off. Like it's a lifestyle. I say this to people, like, oh you live in the dream. I'm like no, I'm choosing to live a lifestyle. It's like, you know, you think about what you eat, your plans on the weekend, how much time you're on your feet. Everything is based around what is making you the best player and athlete. Like, you know, when you're working in Tesco, you <laughs> clock out, you go home, you don't stress up the shelves. <laughs> you don't. But unfortunately, no. that's not, that's not the reality of, of what, when you are a full-time athlete, like you said, you know, we fought for it, especially, you know, us in the scenario, we've been, the position we've been in over the last, when we've had contrast in two years now you know yes what we fought for this is the dream but it's doesn't really it's hard easy. it's yeah, very it challenging it's, easy. it's not easy and, um, and also I think as as female athletes when you aren't full-time um and then you go full-time and you have that opportunity you get the support services around you which is great but then you don't necessarily have somewhere to have the confidential conversations or questions you know because actually your employers are selecting you mm. and all you want to do as a rugby player is be selected yeah. and all you want to do is be try and be the best yeah um and and myself and um the team with the, the women's rugby association recognize that that actually the game is moving at quite a rate with this professionalism so more and more people yeah. are being asked to do more and more because with a contract mm. when money comes in and rightly so there's an expectation you deliver more you you're you give more of your time, etc. But with that is a lot of a lot more pressure, and having somewhere to turn to that's independent, that's confidential, is huge. Um, because you know, when we got the contracts, there was all sorts of things that weren't quite right with the contracts. But we were just kind of been told, right? Can you just sign it? And we yeah. were like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, okay, cool. Yeah, it's better than yeah. what we had. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. tricky. And, and then you also, you don't, also you don't know what it should be. Like no. I don't know what it should <laughs> exactly. say on it. No, do you know true. what I mean? Yeah. And like you're not not everyone in the squad is an agent who should be te who should be taking that on. You literally yeah. like. 20 or whatever year old I think I can't remember how old it was getting a contract I don't know what it should or shouldn't say 20 yeah um so 
you, yeah, you say you just sign it. You're like, oh, well, I trust them. It'll be fine. And it's not, I think we're in a really weird time in a very exciting time, but in a very difficult time for the women that are living it. So you guys are in the mix in part at the moment that it's all new for women and women's athletes mm. to, to be full time, especially from a team sport perspective. Um, athletes quite often have been um, full time because of the Olympic funding. So they have different cycles of funding. Different sports mm. have been full time for different lengths, you know, historically. But learning how to be an athlete, understanding what you should be having in a contract, understanding like the financial implications of what you're being asked to do. And that coupled with, I want to do this. I want to give absolutely everything. Um, so we do naturally. Some players are having to, they've got really successful careers. I remember with England when we first got contracts, people had, you know, I was run. What was I doing? I was running the program at Hartbury. I quit my job before the World Cup in 2014 because I thought I'm getting injured all the time. I need to focus on it. Um, ironically, I got injured the day I left. I stabbed some scissors into my foot, but we can talk. That's another podcast <laughs> in itself. Um, yeah. Um, but, um, the contracts came. I, and, but I was earning less money than I earned the year I left university. Mm. And that was a choice, which is great. And then you're around with everybody, which is really intense. Um, it's hard. Everyone was trying to do their best, but it was different to be around the squad. It was, especially for me, I'd never lived with rugby players. I'd never been around it before like yeah. that. And also the fact that it's the, it's what you love. It's your hobby. It's your friendship groups. It's your pastime. And so you're saying about people put their jobs down. We don't put it down because of the nature of being an athlete, but also because of the nature of how deeply we care about it. Hmm. And and because it is your hobby. Yeah. So it's your hobby that's become your job, that's it's become your passion, which has become, it's like everything. And mm. I think that that's why with players, having the ability to be able to do something away. And when you say you don't have time, I think athletes do absolutely have the time, but they don't know to make the time to do something different. Yeah to go and explore yeah yeah because you're thinking oh i'm tired it, it, i need to go i need to rest oh i got a big training week a day off my usual day off on a wednesday i don't move much but now i got podcasts with <laughs> on wednesday. but before that usually i'm just like literally no can't be on my feet we like your mindset's so different in that sense we had um, a talk with our sports like gloucester oh i think it was the, the lifestyle coach actually and she uh brought up like this like a colored system of different zones um, and I think it was like blue is like performance zone, like you're, you're in the zone kind of thing. Um, and one of the other zones was green, which is like rest and recharge. But that looks, we went around the room and like said, like, what's your green zone? And like for me personally, it's like being productive, doing something that isn't rugby, i.e. a podcast, making clips for, you know, whatever it is, because I think a lot of my identity comes from creating things and having something to show for my time I guess but like it's interesting because I think that's something that a lot of elite like performers in any sport really actually probably miss out on because they're so focused on this sport and they think because you're a professional rugby player rugby is all you can do and all you can put your time into but actually you'd probably be be a better rugby player if you put some of your energy elsewhere because it'll unlock different parts of your brain that you don't use in, uh, you know, in your day-to-day -day job as a rugby player. A million percent. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I think getting being injured, so gosh, on the back of three operations now <laughs> in the last few months, um, like really made me reflect on who, who am I as a person? What do I want out of 
life and like I, before I went full time I was I was a teacher I just qualified as a teacher I'd been working for like five months and then you know you work so hard for Karina and then I left because I was like well full time I can't turn this opportunity down like you said you take a pay cut because well it is what it is but yeah we've been full time so it's a, it's a sacrifice short-term sacrifice for something that you know we've worked really hard for um and then yeah through this injury pe- period I've been like the whole and your whole life is what it feels like is just taken away and you're just taken outside and you're outside the circle watching everyone else's life continue you kind of feel like gosh yeah you said but identity like yeah you feel like rugby is your identity and that when that gets taken away really makes you question okay well what else am I then I what else can I offer uh and obviously yeah like this podcast as, as an example like god I feel so different because I've put energy into something else like there's so much more to life than just rugby but that's very hard when you're in it I suppose as soon as that's taken away you're like oh my gosh like and I agree with you I think the more you work on yourself as a person yeah the better athlete and rugby player you'll be I think you'll enjoy it more but I think you get you just get so uptight and caught and lost because you just become so tunnel like focused yeah and everything that you do has also got now got a number I mean I remember days before GPS. Um, uh, um, but everything is analysed and, and micro um, managed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's great. And it's where the sport is going. And, you know, I watched the the PWR and I think, oh my gosh, like these games are brilliant. I'm not that long ago. This would be the stand of an international. Yeah. Um, and the crowds. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing, but that is pressure. And I think the big thing and my, my advice is always to, to do and to find things that are that you're passionate about mm. um and that that challenge your brain mm. um and whether it is being creative um whether it's you know going back to working with young people but mentoring and, and on your own terms and it is really hard to find the time and you are exhausted um and that balance between mental and physical fatigue and and what but we often get caught in um thinking that we're very, very tired. And so we tell ourselves we're yes. tired and then we are tired. Yeah. And That's actually, <laughs> yeah. And actually having to get up and having to do something and being somewhere and seeing different people, um, you know, even just meeting people outside of rugby is, is something that can really offer a brain space from mm. those, that mm. kind of real intensity. Cause you meet someone for a coffee and all you end up talking about is rugby. You talk about training or selection or whatever and you end up still talking about it. Yeah. So like you're saying, it is, it is refreshing to have that switch off time. And like I said, being injured, well, we're not seeing these, these girls all the time. Uh, and you make time for people that you usually don't have the time, I should say, inverted <laughs> rackets to make time for. Yeah. Mm. Um, I am, um, I actually, I found it really difficult always talking about rugby. Um, and I, it started off as a bit of a joke, but we've actually continued it. My mum only gets three questions. Um, on <laughs> God, rugby a day. I need to bring that in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's it's a, bit of, it's a bit of fun. Um, but even if she asked me like the most simple thing, I'm like, that's one. Mm. And what it was, was a reminder to my family and to me that it wasn't just about, and she loves it because she loves the girls and she loved being part of it. And I think she grieved my retirement as much as I did. Um, <laughs> she's wild on tour. She's <laughs> amazing. I'll party Sue. Um, <laughs> but, um, that, that space to be, to be you and mm. then to also, you know, Nolly, her daughter or sister, um, and then the rugby player and they're mm. separate, mm. you know, and, and I think 
my point was I don't ask my brother permanently about his job in recruitment. I mean, yeah. it might be a little bit dull, so we don't, but you know, but that, but because our world is perceived as more entertaining yeah. and things, people mm. want to ask, um, and get a bit more gossip or yeah. news or whatever. So that really, that really helped. And I think it get for me as much as them. And actually one thing my mum ended up telling me was my brothers would continually say to me, I'd be like, I can't come. I've got training. Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, just miss it. And I'm like, but I can't, like, I, I couldn't, why would you ask me to miss training? And mum just said, tell them you're working. Mm. Yes. And, and, and that mindset of, and this is where women's rugby needs to catch up. Cause if you speak to a male player, they will talk about going in and out of work. So yes. true. So I will true. talk about going to training. training. Yeah. Yes. And people and are like, right, it's well, very different. Your work is your training, of course, yeah. but actually saying, oh, I've got work, I can't, like I have to be there mm-hmm. is very different. I've started For people outside that. of the world. I've yeah. actually started saying that. I've literally said, oh, I'm, I'm working, I'm working today. Mm. My boyfriend is like, what? Doing what? I'm like, <laughs> uh, the thing that pays my bills. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you think you were training today? I'm like, yeah, it's work. Work. Yeah. I like, and one of the girls actually starts messages me being like, have you got, are you working today? I'm like, Yes, yes, I am. It's actually. weird there, isn't and it? You're like, ah! Everybody, everybody else is like, oh, yeah. you're training today. Yeah. And you see, we... hundred percent, I don't, like, I don't say work. Yeah. Like, it and is. it's weird because, cause, like, podcast stuff and yeah, this, uh, yeah. online coaching stuff, I'm like, I'm working, I'm doing work. But then I'm not, I'm not like, oh, what? And I think for me, probably if I used the term work for rugby, it would probably make me feel like I'm being more productive because i what i usually all i've done is train today for four hours and then just like on hang on leg. a minute just just all, yeah, actually, four hours. actually that's yeah fair do you know what i mean because it's work <laughs> yeah but instead i'm like oh, I've, I've only trained and it's like because it's always been something that i've done without being paid it's like yeah. this like weird yeah. thing of like well i was doing it before anyway now i'm just getting paid for it but well, i've still got to do what do you know? my boyfriend is i've had many arguments because he if i was home before him from work <laughs> and i'd be on the sofa and he's like oh you haven't like cleaned yet i'm like yeah i'm tired he's like and he's like well i've been working all day i'm like <laughs> actually so have i have trained for the last eight hours but i think it's it is it's difficult to switch not just for us but i think everybody just to switch that mindset to be like yes yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's a hobby and stuff like that, but also now it's our jobs. Yeah, it is work. Mm. And, and, and I think that the pressure on premiership players now, you know, you're, you guys are fortunate and you're wonderfully talented and international athletes because of that. Um, and so you have got that full time contract that is a, that is a document that is a proper wage. It's meeting national minimum mm. wage and like some things that we've seen in years gone by. Um, but the, the, the expectation being put on to premiership players is getting to what probably five, eight years ago, international players were being asked to do in terms of training commitment, in terms of additional skills and not just turning up on a Tuesday, Thursday and back in the day, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually you've got to do weights. Yeah. If you don't do weights, then you're not going to survive in the league. You know, I've seen some of the tackles. I'm like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> no. that's what I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that expectation 
and changing that mindset and changing that shift is really important and where it's really challenging. And I think rugby isn't the only sport. This is happening across all sorts of sports within the women's game. And it's amazing that this movement is happening. But I think where administrators have, and kind of going back to the WRA, the conversations that we've had, working with PWR, working with the RFU and putting that player voice in the centre of it and having that collective voice from players is just to kind of make them realise this is the reality. Yeah, This is what these women are looking... They, they will run through brick walls for you I mean especially the forwards backs didn't really do that. but, but they, they want to be here they will do everything they possibly can to succeed to make the game succeed to celebrate what they're doing to push forward and push and push and push but there's a limit yeah. and if you don't that limit is crossed and it's when you're in a physical um job you break and I lived in an, in a time where professional when international wasn't paid and I broke and I think that there's a there is a it's a very fine line and getting that balance right and and I think what's been brilliant and I will say is that the directors of rugby PWR are acknowledging that 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 they want to push and they're but at the same time where the players are and the reality of working full-time or working part-time and having to travel and do what they're doing Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a really important space to do gradually and at the same time I think be really open and honest and not say to the world we're a professional league Mm -hmm. and we're this and we're that and actually we are where we are there's still steps to be made and look at the women that are playing it look how awesome they are let's showcase these people they're doing all of this stuff achieving it all and yet balancing all of this because I know now I've stepped back just how cool our sport is yeah like and the people involved because actually people care so much what advice then would you give younger Nolly or is anything you would do differently as an athlete (laughs) don't cut your hair like you (laughs) (laughs) like is there now now that you've left and you're living a different life to what you were is anything that you think you would do differently if you if you could look back on what you used to be like as an athlete um probably the big thing was you don't need to be liked by everybody I think I was so caught up in wanting to feel like the team felt I was good enough to be selected and I think probably the the battle that I had was that I'd have a massive injury so I'd be out for eight months a year big surgery I work incredibly hard obviously we weren't professionals I was away from and then I'd come back and I'd be quite quickly selected back into an England squad but obviously during that time someone else had been wearing the shirt someone Mm. else has been in training and and I always thought well oh the coaches have selected me but the players haven't selected me does that make sense Mm -hmm. players don't believe that I should be wearing that shirt and it buckled me um and I think I'd also so that'd be one around it's okay to be teammates and not like best of friends and that is really important actually yeah and the other thing is to be more kind and more aware of my own mental health because I didn't realize how much I was struggling for a long time because and because I convinced everybody I was fine and I was an entertainer and I'd walk into a room and I'd be happy and bubbly and that was what I knew and that was the persona I'd built in rugby so as soon as I entered a room that was that was the mask that I constantly wore. And I very, there was only a few people that ever really showed the reality of me. My roomies normally would see that, um, but no one else. And I think mm-hmm. I would be, I sh- would like to have made myself more comfortable with being my true self um, in terms of 
um, yes, showing up and being positive because it's really important to do that in a work environment and not bring the the stuff from yeah. away to your job. Um, but also be okay to be vulnerable and to say that you're finding things tough. <laughs> yeah, to all of that. Honestly, there's so many things that I resonate with in there. And like, it, I think it's very insightful for someone like yourself to actually say that and to, for people to hear that because there's a lot of people I think especially you know caring what other people think I think that as a society we're terrible for that and what you touched on earlier in terms of commentary realistically if, if I'm worried about what someone else thinks someone else is probably worried what I think they're not actually worried about do you know they're not actually saying oh this that and the other about you because everyone's so caught up in their own head and their own and actually if you start thinking about it that way it really rationalizes things and you know worrying about what others think can cause a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety for a lot of people it it's something that makes me feel very overwhelmed but that mindset switch of like well everyone's got their own life like everyone's the main character of their own life so yeah. why would they be worried about me when they're worried about them and you know it's phenomenal how much brain space you take up mm. with worrying about other people's opinions um not thinking that you're good enough feeling like you're going to make mistakes and actually if you look at it as a pie chart i was a bit of a maths geek at school but if you look at it as a pie chart and you look at you know 100% is maximum performance and you take 50% of that and just chuck it away so your 100% all of a sudden becomes only 50% so if you have the ability to be able to to release that, to be able to just let go of some of those concerns, some of those worries, which actually, like you say, are out of your control, probably aren't, there isn't too much reality in it anyway. Mm. Um, how much better you'd perform because worrying that you're not good enough is, again, is taking away from being good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. what I've realized and why I, when I listen back, oh gosh, when I listen back to my commentary early days or talks that I've done or work that I've done with HSBC or like I haven't even touched on some of the amazing stuff I've done with Guinness, like that stuff has really mm -hmm. affected the women's game, which is class. When I think back and like what I, when I was so worried about what, what I was doing and what I was saying and what I was wearing and how did I look and all those, mm -hmm. all of those things. Once I kind of got rid of that, how much better I performed, how much more I sounded like me, how much more fun I had. And I'm not saying a lot lighter too, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Free. Um, and also how much clearer you are in that, you know what? I don't really like this that much. I don't really like the people I'm with. Yeah. Um, and okay, then it's a choice. All right. So I like the money or I do like the people. I have got purpose. And I think mm. one of the big things you talked about doing the podcast for you guys is having a purpose. Like there's some fantastic narratives across all the podcasts that you've done and there's a reason for doing them. So you've been really specific on um, not just the name of your podcast, but mm -hmm. actually who you've got in and what yeah. we've spoken about. Everyone's got a story. And exactly. And the purpose of those and, and what influence can that have? And I think for me, you know, the, uh, I will talk about Guinness because the work that they do and the purpose behind the stuff that we do is having massive influence behind the scenes mm. which I know at some point well I'm very proud of it because I know at some point in the future it will it won't come out for the public but it is cha creating change mm. so we did loads of research on 
I was really fed up as a player that the women's media was being written about differently to men's media, mm. the words they used, how mm. they described us. They'd talk about, oh, like we'd talk about a Grand Slam match and then they'd be talking about me playing rugby as a kid. And also mm. I'm like, no, talk about the rugby. Don't yeah. worry about whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and so we did research on the language that was used across six nations. We got That's Wikipedia. Cool. So we got fed up Very of cool. the same people being written about all the time. Because yeah. and But that happens because of ease mm. of access. So we wrote yeah. Wikipedia pages for all the girls in the Six Nations. Mm. That's so therefore, cool. the media, who are our tool to changing society, they are yeah. the ones that put out content. They are the ones that tell the stories, bring people to life, bring people's attention to. Um, we gave them more information mm. to be able to share. So I think, wh why am I sharing? I'm not sharing it to pat myself on the back. It's to say that, there are so many things that you can do as especially female athletes that can have a massive mm. change, a big purpose. You have a huge amount of knowledge and ex lived experience. And if you're willing to give up a little bit of time to go and network, to meet people, whilst you're still playing a little bit of stuff every week, just something, when you finish, you'll already have those networks. You'll already know, and you'll be creating massive change. And I genuinely believe a significant proportion, if not very close to all women's rugby players want women's rugby to succeed. Mm. Yeah. And the, the, the joy that you get back from seeing people and the game accelerate, obviously you get a little bit annoyed because you think, Oh, I wish I could be still play. I know my body can't, <laughs> <laughs> but seeing the full stadiums and seeing that. And I'm like, you know, speak to the old girls. We've got vintage red roses, <laughs> um, kind of like dried flowers that are old. <laughs> um, we talk about, you know, being at Twickenham, this year with 58,000 people. Mad. I got to stand there with my mum and, mm. and sing the anthem with my mum at Twickenham. I was like, <laughs> this is mental. But at the same time, incredible. I'm very, yeah. very proud to be part of that journey. And I think mm. my message is that wherever you are as an athlete, there's only a certain time that you can play for. But you can leave a legacy and you can create more and more legacy as you go on. And that's something really, that's quite special. And if you're intrinsically motivated by the game anyway, to be able to know that you've not just taken the shirt and put it into a better place. Uh, did you score the first try as a professional player? You scored it. You scored the winning try. I was that I mm, one Scotland of the, but, winning try. Yeah, yeah. No, I, but Ireland was Ireland was the first game. I didn't. I didn't. Oh no, it was the Scotland game. It was Scotland the Scotland game at the yeah. end. Yeah, but, well, my legs but, literally. Yeah. <laughs> up, to be honest, I was but, like sinking sink sand. <laughs> but when I, I remember that moment, I remember it because I remember what it meant. I remember the storylines mm. on commentary. I know that you guys have both put the shirt in a better place, but how cool to know that you've not just put the shirt in a better place, but also to put the game in a better place. Mm. It, well, something that definitely drives me is I'm actually glad that I've lived without the way the, 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 where the game is now. I'm glad that I've lived without it and knowing what it's like to now have what we have now, because it makes me appreciate it more. Mm. But also like, I think a lot of what we do is because we want we don't want these girls that come behind us to, to have the same struggles that we have. So we're do, the start, everything that we're doing is to make, is to set them up, mm. you know? And like where the game is going to be in the next 10 years is, I'm going to be stood in the stands and I'm like 50. <laughs> like this is. You'll be 50 cool. in 10 years, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be 10 years. Good maths. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just thrive a lot of, off knowing that all this stuff that's going on now, we probably won't benefit from the huge success but we, I'll benefit from watching it in that time knowing that all this stuff now is for 
the girls behind us, you know? You will benefit though, because you oh, will I love have it. I mean, that might be on the side. Like, you will always feel proud. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, um, 100%. You know, and you'll meet some amazing people along the way. Like, I've been really lucky to meet some awesome people in the business world that I'm like meeting, you know, the CEO of HSBC Global mm. Bank. Like, I'm like, you, you're no. one of the most influential people in the world. And I'm like, meeting your family and having a drink. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is mad. Mm. Um, I'm like, I just, I'm just yeah. from Minehead. Like, I just played rugby and now I'm here yeah. and I'm with some of the best rugby players in the world that's ever been. You, you are to be one of the best though. rugby players in the yeah, world that's exactly. ever been. <laughs> <laughs> Not oh, no. seriously. But the um I was really awful. It sounds like I wanted to go. Um <laughs> but I going back to your point around people supporting people to succeed, I think my biggest thing and my that I've seen over the last couple of years, especially with the WRA, I have two well, we had, there was three of us. It was Holly, Polly, Nolly. <laughs> um, Holly, unfortunately, is now, she's on the advisory board rather than the exec. But I'm inspired by them because they're amazing women. Like they are rock stars. Um, I tell them all the time, but they are amazing. Um, but I don't think women are great at supporting women at times. But I just, on the back of this conversation, I think it's really important to remember like everybody has a reason or a motivation like to do certain things. And it's okay that they just love it and they really are proud and they want to help. And I think a lot of people, you know, when we've gone to the clubs and we talked about WRA and be like, oh yeah, it's five pounds to mm. sign up, whatever. And they're like, what? It's too good to be true. Or, oh, you're only putting that on your socials because you want to be seen to be doing something. Mm. You only talk about Guinness or you fight and uh, argue and barter and tell HSBC they need to be doing equal pay and they get it. We get it. It's like, you know, there are so many things, but I'm like, I do it because I genuinely care care yeah. i think yeah. it's awesome i'm like how cool is it to be able to create some change and i think yeah, 100%. the message is it is that why do we judge someone for doing something positive to to be successful to mm. do something and and is it because i'd want to be there myself or like exactly what you said fiona around like i if i got the opportunity then i would i'd say yes to mm. so actually let's celebrate that because yeah. the more we celebrate it the more it'll happen and the more it happens the more opportunity and then actually it makes it a hell of a lot easier when people everybody starts retire coming from through retirement because you're not the only one or you're not yeah. two or three yeah, yeah and and but i don't know celebrating it i think well even like this podcast you know we'll, this is episode eight and even the people we've met already has been epic mm. and like literally we thrive off it don't we We're like oh yeah. this is so cool so <laughs> but it, 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 it does come back and we always said about networking yeah. and like but it's been so much fun you know yeah and exactly and for me the biggest thing is meeting people with similar mindsets yeah. you know i've got similar you can just you meet someone and you just, just you get it like you get it you know <laughs> and it's really that. enjoyable but also yeah different with people with different perspectives on yeah. things because it's so eye-opening i love that's why i love like hosting a podcast is like you meet someone and they might say something and can, it's like oh, i've never thought of it like that actually and but it, it, if you you know in our little like rugby bubble everyone kind of thinks quite a similar way we're like rugby ball yeah. rugby rap, you know <laughs> that's a big thing on this podcast of what i didn't what we, we didn't want it to be about just rugby or to make sure like it was it was an everybody thing i just want all my guests to be rugby players and when everyone don't want to just be a rugby thing yeah we are rugby players but that's just our part of our experience but that's just not who we are as people um and i literally like i said the people we've met already listening to just some real inspiring stories and i'm like you're bloody you're you're outstanding i'm like you're a hell of a person <laughs> and like honestly <laughs> that was I very well I was like, and i will i i'm gonna ask you guys then 
because oh god <laughs> i have met you both briefly at different times briefly. um you've now heard me talk and listen to me and we've messaged and stuff like yeah. that am i who you thought i was yeah absolutely yeah because it's it's interesting because i've asked that to like oh, but, you know you chat and you talk to people and I coached the Italian women's team the sevens team this year yeah and they'd I'd played against some of them so mm. um Beatrice and uh who else um Sophia Stefan mm. scrum half um who else like a, a group of them that I played um Maria Mugatti um and they hot-seated me as their coach it was quite <laughs> nice. and uh and I said well am I I kind of flipped the question back to them and I said, am I who you thought I'd be? And they were like, no. Oh, really? So really? Yeah, they said, you know, as a player, we thought you were really serious and we thought yeah. that you yeah. were going to be really intense. And you're, and they're like, you're really fun. Like, you're mm. really relaxed. The way you yeah. approach coaching, the way that you see us as players, how we're interacting is totally different and really creative. And, and, and it was really interesting so it's interesting that you say yeah. that you think yeah. i am who no, you think no, i yeah, am yeah. because actually the persona that people have and like what people think of you as a player if they only know you as a player yeah. to yeah. play against you know obviously it's different if your teammates mm. because mm. people see you, but then they also only see you in that environment how weird is it when someone comes in their work clothes that's not rugby work yeah. and they come into work they come into training yeah, and you're, you're like, like what? oh my you're, god you're so yeah. weird oh, no, well, you have got like dinner or like if we're in camp or something and it's you're aware you're on clothes which is obviously rare you come down and someone's brushed their butt makeup on they're like oh you're yeah, nice you've really you're literally in, washed yeah you're doing a pair of jeans they're like oh look at you I'm like I've just brushed my hair yeah. off but it's really yeah 100% like I thought you come across as like bubbly, like kind personality. And that's exactly what oh, it's been like me actually meeting you properly. It's not a hundred percent, but it, but it's, I like it's being real. I'm a very say yeah. how it is. I am very direct. And what yeah. you see is what you get, unfortunately, and very expressive wear on my face. It's a work on, but like, I am all about being real and like there's not being fake or being one person. And then you're actually completely different. Like, so no, yeah. it's, it is really fascinating because I think that it's just a nice reminder, isn't it? That who we are in certain roles, like I said, I would, I would be more vulnerable to show who I was a bit more, mm. um, to my team, um, and not play the role that I'd created and the character that I'd created. Yeah. Um, and I think taking that time and Giselle was a wonderful coach in that she took the time to understand us as people and me and she knew that if I'd spent time with my then boyfriend now husband Simone if I'd been out with my dog Koya if I was confident and I'd been to see the physio that I needed to see um rugby was easy like yeah. I, she'd get a good player you know that but, was just reality and agree with what you said earlier where you need to look after the person before the player you look after the person you're going to get a better player you'll get so much more out of the player if you put the person first unfortunately majority of the time it's some the other way around where you just think player 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 person comes second and unfortunately that's it needs to be the other way around um i do have one more question for you before yeah. we have Go our on. closing tradition just briefly obviously being an athlete you have goals when you're a rugby player i want to get to x one of caps i want to get to this tournament like x y and z what is nolly's goals now <laughs> is there anything Gosh. that you have that you want to achieve in years to come is there something on your list you want to take off you've done a lot already <laughs> yeah no it's really interesting you say that because I I've been really trying to rack my brains recently about what that is because four years ago when I was in Tokyo my goal was to commentate at the World Cup 
the men's world cup you've done it um to work on the women's world cup um in between obviously it was a delayed world yeah. cup um and then to commentate um and to be part of to be a full part of the team and that's what kept me motivated kept me driven um to want to keep improving and to invest in myself in terms of developing the skill set and understanding and knowledge etc of commentating um and yeah and so I've uh, I've been able to achieve that, um, which is pretty special. Um, but now I am looking at kind of who is Nolly now and what is motivating, inspiring me um, and what do I really enjoy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm really lucky that I get to hang out with lots of really cool people. So, yeah, I think watch this space, but maybe I can Ooh, share it with I love you that. Um, when I have figured it out. Mm. Okay. Because I think having something and in particular when you've, lived your whole adult life um working towards either a four-year goal uh, an end of rehab goal a six nations goal you what we are all very goal driven and if you don't have something that you can aspire to do then it you end up feeling like you're in a bit of a vortex and i feel that a bit at the moment Mm. i feel quite empty at times um so i'm lucky that i work with really cool people that inspire me so that at the moment it's cool um but i definitely want to be able to achieve something else mm. we'll we be so. watching <laughs> <laughs> keep your eyes right. peeled it's okay a, i think so, if i can remember this question i think it might yeah, be quite relevant i think it is um so yeah we've got closing tradition where the previous guest leaves a question for the next guest but without knowing who the next guest is going to be which is always interesting because i find there's a way of these questions actually end up being so relevant to the episode um so your question is what is the greatest lesson you've ever learned Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Such a big question, isn't it? It is a big question. Um, my gosh. Yeah, no, You're definitely going to need to put, put intro music in. Biggest lesson I've ever learned. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I've got like a wave of emotion. Um, you're so much better and more successful. When I say successful, I mean not just the outcome, like the money or the intrinsic stuff so achievement medal whatever um but you're so much more successful so happiness and you know really laugh from your belly um smile really with your eyes um when you're happy Mm. and that happiness comes from passion and if you can find something that makes you really feel a passion then you can really achieve anything um so yeah i think love what you do um and then anything is really possible because you find an extra five percent here a ten percent here a one percent there um i did it with rugby um and yeah okay i had a a reasonable gift but i think my having coached a lot of very talented people the ones that made it were the ones that had something different, had mm. something mentally. And I'm talking to two people that have done it. So there's something in you guys as well. But yeah, finding passion will find enjoyment and enjoyment will find a success, but all levels of success. <laughs> wow. Wow. <There> you go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much. That. <laughs> yeah. That, that was I can't wait I to listen to that, that answer. Back. <laughs> just, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um no thank you so 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 much that was literally what an epic conversation Mm. and like for us like i said we look up to you because like what you've done in the game you know 
we've watched you play for years and also what you're achieving now is just as epic of what you've done on the field as you're doing off. Mm. So I have so much respect for everything you're doing, the passion you have to grow the game and make a difference. Um, so I hope you know that people like us respect and really appreciate someone like you. Uh, so thank you so, so, so much oh, for joining us. Really <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We've loved it. Yeah, thank uh, you. And yeah, as if we've come and we've met all the way across, know, across Dubai. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> but thank you very much. Thank you. And remember, keep saying it how it is. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Please like, follow and subscribe to make sure you stay up to date and say it how it is. And don't forget to share these conversations with the people you think it may help the most. You'll find all of ours and our guest social media handles linked in the show notes below. We can't wait to see you all next week. And remember, keep saying it how it is. <laughs>